Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. How do I make disciples without money? Is that you? I know I am not somebody with a lot of money, right? Maybe you have a lot of money. That's great. You can help support people like me and others. But if you don't have a lot of money, this is definitely going to be a question in your mind. How do I make and multiply disciples, do church planning or start groups that will multiply, launch a movement with very limited resources. Is it possible for me to make disciples and launch a movement without a lot of money? We're going to be talking about that on today's episode. So we'll be right back with answers to that question. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Are frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Okay, let's dive into this question. How do I make disciples without money, right? It's a common problem. And my husband and I, we work with an organization called Youth with a Mission, commonly known as YWAM, Y-W-A-M. And we jokingly say among ourselves that we are youth without any money right? Well, obviously, I'm not a youth anymore, but sometimes I don't have a lot of money. And when we first started out, we didn't even have $500 a month support. We hardly had any money. We could barely afford anything. And yet God used us to make disciples. And we see that happen in Youth with a Mission, just to use it as an example, all around the world. Um, Youth with a Mission is not an organization. It actually is a movement that involves volunteerism, right? And movements are like that, right? Movements are grassroots. They're grassroots movements led by volunteers. They don't, um, they're not mobilized by a lot of outside money, but they come from grassroots people who are engaged in volunteer work and voluntarily, voluntarily um, through organic spread, right? These movements grow. And that's how Youth with a Mission has grown and spread. And today, Youth with a Mission, I think next to Campus Crusade or Crew, um, is the second largest mission agency or mission organization, missions movement in the world today with 
you know, tens of thousands of missionaries who have gone out voluntarily around the world to spread the good news of the kingdom. It happened without a lot of money. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't take money to spread the gospel, right? And I'm so grateful for those who have supported my husband and I in our ministry, those who give even now to make a lot of what we do possible. And um, certainly money can be a help and can augment or um, enhance what we are doing if we use it in the right kinds of ways. But it is really not true when we think that we have to have a lot of money, especially to get started and to to launch a disciple-making movement or disciple multiplication in your area. Recently, um, not too long ago, I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but a few months back, the Jesus Revolution movie came out. And I, I, I wonder if some of you have seen that movie. And it's about the, the Jesus movement that took place in the late 60s, early 70s, and how uh, Chuck Smith you know, started to make disciples of these young hippies who were coming to the Lord. They were rebels. They were, they didn't have money. They, um, you know, they were people who were on drugs. They had lots of issues in their lives, but he began to welcome them and disciple them. And as he did that, these disciples began to make more disciples who made more disciples and things began to spread. And Soon it was, you know, a few hundred who were taking baptism at the beach. And then it was, you know, thousands that were coming to Christ and being discipled and falling in love with Jesus and having their lives transformed. And it was an organic movement. And that's what we need to see and want to aim at seeing in our world again today. We need it in the U.S. again. We need it in Western countries. We need it in Africa and Asia. These organic move of God, an organic move of God that spreads not through clergy, but spreads through ordinary people. And some of those clergy, like Chuck Smith did in in that time, you know, will train and believe in and mentor these young people. But really, the work of the movement is taking place through ordinary people who are on fire for God and who are empowered and released to go out and see it spread. So why do we get stuck in this thinking? You know, why are we even asking this question, how do I make disciples without money? Well, it's because our thinking is influenced not so much by scripture, but by the world around us. Um, Certainly the world says without money, you can't do anything. And it's always helping us think, you know, that influencing us to think that we need more money, we need more things, we need more stuff. It is definitely the message of the world. But it's also many times the the model that we've seen of church planning or missions work of outreach. We've seen this model where um, people go into a new area and they they build a building and then they put up a sign and then they hand out flyers and they do all these things that cost a lot of money. And these are the only models that we've really seen other people try or attempt. Or maybe they um, dig wells in an unreached you know area and nothing wrong with digging wells. I'm not against that. But If it's your primary and only method of evangelism to go and dig a well, that costs a lot of money. It's not something that ordinary, everyday people can do. And so it it can prevent the spread beyond what you have the capacity to find money for, right? And we need to see models that are 
more reproducible. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Or maybe, <clears throat> and, you know, I just want to mention uh, here that I have so appreciated the ministry of Reinhard Bonnke, um, especially in Africa. And, you know, his model was to have a crusade or have a big tent meeting. And those meetings cost tens of thousands of dollars, right? And he had to raise huge amounts of support and God provided for him and some incredible things. I listened to his um, biography, autobiography recently on Audible, and it was amazing, you know, just the spirit of God upon that man. And he influenced so many from for the kingdom. So <clears throat> I'm not saying those things are bad. And, and many times that is how God led certain people like Reinhard Bonnke. But Big crusade only way to work. They're not the only thing that can work to spread the gospel. And so we certainly don't think that if we don't have the money that Reinhard Bonnke had, we can't make disciples, right? But if that's the only model you've seen, then you tend to think that's what you need to do. And so instead of looking to those models, we need to look back to what does the Bible say and what were the models that Jesus and Paul used to see gospel spread in the New Testament. So as I was praying and thinking about addressing this question, I was just reminded of one of my favorite scriptures, which is Philippians 4.19. And it says, and my God, who? Not the outside foreigner, not the person who is your rich uncle, you know, or that, that business person who has millions of dollars, not them. But it says, and my God shall supply all your needs, all your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. My God shall supply all your needs. So God has already provided, he promised to provide whatever we truly need in order to make and multiply disciples, because that's his command to us, right? And he doesn't command us to do things and then not supply what we need to be able to do it. You know, when I was thinking about this question, it reminded me again of one of the mindset shifts that I just wrote about in my new book that is being released in September. <coughs> Excuse me. It's called The Multiplier's Mindset, Thinking Differently About Discipleship. And if you have a copy of that book yet, you can go grab a pre-sale copy. If it's before the release or after the release, you can go grab one at multipliersmindset.com. So in that book, I have a whole chapter where I talk about this kind of an issue. And one of the mindset shifts, here's a card. We produce these cards that have the graphics from the book. This card says, Enough. The mindset shift is enough. I don't need more stuff. I already have enough. I don't need more stuff. I already have enough. Now, if you're listening to this or watching it on YouTube, I want to just challenge you, and I don't do this very often, I promise, but I want to challenge you to say that out loud because sometimes we just need to declare something to ourselves, right? I want you to say, I don't need more stuff. I already have enough. I don't need more stuff. I already have enough. Why am I asking you to say that out loud? Because this is the truth of scripture. My God don't have enough. Don't believe the lie that you have to have enough money for a tent meeting or 
or for a cruise, or for a church building, or for outreach flyers, or for whatever it is that you think you need, a motorcycle or a car to go to a new area. Believe God's word that he has given you everything you need for life and godliness, and that he is able to supply your needs. But, and yes, there is a but, but you may need to do things differently, right? You may need to do things differently from some of those models that you've based your thinking on of what needs to be done to plant a church or what needs to be done to start a movement or to multiply disciples. You may need to do things differently. So I want to talk for a few minutes about what needs to change if we're going to see disciple multiplication happen without money, right? And what needs to change is we need to shift to a more organic, simple, reproducible, and Jesus-style discipleship approach. Let's unpack that a little bit. Organic. What do we mean by organic? Well, organic has to do with a natural word-of-mouth kind of spread, right? We want to see discipleship efforts that we make go viral. We want them to spread naturally without money, right? A viral video is a video that starts to spread and people just start sharing it and nobody's paying for paid advertising for those videos. It goes viral, starts to spread. So how do we do that with discipleship and disciple making? Well, there's a principle that we talk about with viral videos that is also the same Um, When we talk about disciple making, and so I'm just going to borrow that, and it's don't entertain, engage. So don't, don't only entertain, but engage people, right? And so how do we engage people with with a video? You want to ask questions or things like that, right? And um, yeah, one of the people who's coaching me on Twitter is talking about engage the audience. Don't just preach at it or don't just give them content, but engage them with the content, right? Well, In some ways, it's similar. How do we see things organically spread in disciple making is we want to ask questions and get people to engage with the word of God, right? We want them to, uh, we want to themselves, we want them to discover for themselves, what does scripture say? And we want to build both ownership so that when those discoveries are made, they're theirs. They're not something that we told them, but they're something they discovered by the Holy Spirit and through the word of God, God spoke to them through scripture. Believe me, you're going to see much deeper transformation when that happens than when something just you know came from the outside. So you want discovery, ownership, and you want a spirit of curiosity. I always think it's so interesting, you know, that Jesus said, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear, right? And often he he didn't answer all the questions that people ask. He asked a lot of questions. Often he would answer a question with another question to cause people to think for themselves and to engage in their minds and hearts with that question further. He would he wouldn't always tell the answers and he he brought curiosity. He would he would tell a story or a parable to make them think more and then ask a question and and he allowed that sort of curiosity and the Holy Spirit to bring about hunger for more. You know, I so often we just preach at people, 
And when we preach at people, when we're trying to share the gospel, you're not going to get a good response. If you've tried doing that and you're not getting good response, you know, that that's, you know, kind of kind of clear to us or obvious. Right. We we want to encourage curiosity and let people discover things for themselves as we pray and as the Holy Spirit begins to work in them. So organic, natural word of mouth. We want things to have that viral quality of curiosity, of engagement. And so much of our disciple-making efforts are not like that. So I hope that gives you something to consider and think about. Another thing is we want to keep things simple, right? Simple means we complicate things. So much of our discipleship and discipleship programs are complex and expensive systems. We have lengthy trainings where, uh, you know, even to be a leader, you have to go through this six-week training and qualify and fill out this workbook and do this thing. And we make things so complicated um, that we can't train trainers quickly because they're they're expensive, they're complex, you know. And um, some of us who have a gift of teaching, and, you know, that would be me, you know, we, we like things to be, you know, in PowerPoints and step-by-step and we spend hours on our fancy PowerPoint presentation. And, you know, and I'm not against that. I still make PowerPoint presentations and, you know, I still like to teach, right? And there's nothing against that. But when it comes to multiplicative discipleship, we need to intentionally simplify, intentionally simplify and simplify again. You know, um, I used to make it past my eight-year-old test and um, my kids are all grown now. I have three adult children and three beautiful grandkids. But when our kids were at home, I would try teaching whatever I was going to teach to my eight-year-old and then see if she could teach it back to me. And if it was too difficult that she couldn't teach it back to me, then it didn't pass the simplicity test, right? And she was a smart eight-year-old, you know, but it needs to be simple enough that a child could teach it. And, you know, something, a key here is keeping things short, short and simple. Um, Many times when we do a discovery Bible study, people choose a long passage or a long story. And I say, keep it just a couple verses or keep it just one of the shorter stories in scripture that you study so that it's simple and people can actually learn it. They repeat it back until they're confident to say that story back. And they can they can remember those two or three verses that you dig deep on and discuss more deeply rather than a long passage of scripture that's hard to remember. Um, so keep things simple, keep things short. And then the next point is we want to keep things reproducible. Um, one of our most Favorite scriptures for those of us who are disciple multiplication people is Second Timothy 2.2, where Paul is speaking to Timothy, and he says, The things that you have heard and received from me, pass them on to faithful men who will be able to teach others also or train others also. So we see Paul, you know, he's training Timothy, and Timothy's training faithful people, and those faithful people are passing that on to others. So we see that 
that the teaching he did with Timothy, the things he was training him in, he was expecting that he would pass that baton off, off to others, that training. You know, um, if you're watching here on YouTube, you know, here's a, a pen, right? A pen is light. A pen is easy to pass, right? If I was passing it to you, you could grab hold of it and you could easily take it and pass it on to someone else, right? We would call that a light baton, right? A pen would be a light baton. Um, and yet many times the teachings that we're trying to pass on, the discipleship programs we're trying to pass on or methods or strategies are very, very heavy. They are not a light baton. It's like passing a big, huge two by four plank, you know, that's heavy, or maybe it's more like a big oak tree that you're trying to pass to someone and they can't carry it. They can't grab it. They can't hold it. They can't pass it on to someone else. It's not reproducible. So let's just talk about some examples of things that are and aren't reproducible. You know, for example, we had talked before about going in and your strategy be, being to rent um, a gym or rent space, you know, somewhere or to build a building, a church building. I heard a horrible story from one of our trainees about um, some foreigners who went into this village in Botswana and they built a church building and uh, then they, you know, handed it over to local people and the local people never even used it. Um, it was just full of goats and cows and things like that. Roaming through it was never used and the area remained unreached. And, uh, you know, that can happen. We go in and we think the first thing we need is a building. Well, Jesus never built buildings. Isn't that interesting? He never built buildings, but he invested not in not in facilities, but he invested in people. He invested in his disciples and in training them and passing on DNA to them. Now, again, that's not to say buildings are evil or that you don't ever need a building. Sometimes they can be helpful as a place to train believers, right? But um, buildings aren't, building buildings as your primary first entry strategy is not something that is reproducible that anybody else is going to be able to also go and do very easily. So you want to think about what is reproducible and light baton, light baton that easily can be passed on to others. Um, crusades we mentioned are not very reproducible. What is reproducible? Well, one thing that I love to teach and train people on is how to share a three minute testimony with the before I met Jesus, how I met Jesus, after I met Jesus, what changed teach people how to share that testimony and then um, activate them, go out and start doing it with them and get them to share it frequently with others. And that's really reproducible. Anybody can learn to share a three minute testimony. Anybody can start doing that. It's light baton, right? Um, another thing, discovery Bible study groups that meet in homes or coffee shops or under a tree or in a park, these discovery Bible study groups are reproducible. They don't take a lot of time to prepare for. Just yesterday, I was meeting with a businesswoman here in Thailand, a lady, and you know, she was talking about how much she loves the discovery Bible study approach because she doesn't have to do like extensive preparation. There's a model, there's a pattern that you follow, and you know, you just know your story set, you open scripture, you read it together. It's not complicated. It doesn't take a lot of money. It doesn't take a lot of time even to prepare. So busy people who work their normal jobs can can lead them and facilitate them. 
it's reproducible, it's light baton, right? And so, um, again, keep it organic, simple, reproducible. And the last one I want to talk about is Jesus style. Well, how did Jesus make and multiply disciples? He did life on life with the three, Peter, James, and John, and with the 12, right? Who is his next circle, right? And he poured his life into them. They ate together. They they went on trips together. And those trips were walking, you know, they would walk to areas to do ministry. They they talked together on the road. They would sleep together, live together practically. You know, they did most of the time live together. Um, so how can you do life on life? And I want to encourage you, you know, there's something that we call the 550 prayer. And every morning my alarm goes off at 550. And um, it goes off, it wakes me up, uh, or I'm sometimes up having my quiet time. And at 550 every day, I pray for five leaders that I'm training to disciple others. I pray for those five people, and I pray that God will teach them and train them, that God will help them in their daily lives. And I do life on life with those five people. Those are the people that I message, you know, frequently throughout the week. I'm praying for them every day. I'm asking questions about their kids, and I am engaged with them in a very intensive way. Um, I'm going to prioritize going to visit them, things like that. So I'm doing life on life with five. And then the 50 is we are praying for 50 new movements of disciples. And I would invite you to pray the 550 prayer. Set your alarm for 550 in the morning or 550 in the evening, maybe right before dinner. And when that alarm goes off, take five minutes and pray for those five people specifically that God would use them to be disciples who make disciples and God would help you to train them until they're able to do that in an effective way. So invest like Jesus did in a few. And, you know, Jesus didn't have a car or an airplane. He didn't travel the world to make disciples. He invested locally in a small group of people, poured his life into them, and those people invested in others who invested in others until the whole of the Roman Empire through Paul had heard the good news of Jesus in a short amount of time, right? So life on life, investing in a few. Now that may be slower in the beginning, but as that begins to reproduce and those people become obedient disciples and you're challenging them and equipping them to make disciples of their own, you know, don't just have this nice little group that uh, gets to know you and gets to know the Bible deeply and doesn't pass it on, right? That's got to be part of the deal. I'll invest in you, you invest in others, right? But as he did that, he built these people into um, people that would change the world and God wants to use you to do the same. Last thing about Jesus' style is he, again, he told lots of stories. So I want to challenge and encourage you two things. You know, be a good question asker. You know, asking questions, people like to talk about themselves and they like to hear their own voice. So be someone who asks good questions and knows how to open up dialogue, spiritual conversations with people around you. Um, and then ask good questions and also tell good stories right? Now, storytelling is a skill that can be learned. So learn to tell short stories that you can tell someone in a line when you're waiting at the bank, that you can tell someone when you're out in the market or wherever you happen to be at work on the coffee break. Be a good storyteller and be a good question 
ask her because that's what Jesus is like. And you're going to see simple, reproducible, organic spread of disciples. Before we wrap up here, I just want to comment about motorcycles and cars because that's a common question when we address this question of how do I make disciples without money? Especially on the mission field, people ask a lot about I don't have a motorcycle or I need a motorcycle uh, to go to this unreached area, unreached village. Or if they're in the West, people are saying, should we should we pay for motorcycles for the church planners to go out into new areas or purchase of vehicles? And I would just say that, you know, I do want to acknowledge that sometimes we do need transportation to go to new areas that are unreached. Um, There are places where if we don't go there, people here how let's they have a preacher unless someone will go to them as it says in Romans right so there is a need for money and finance for transportation to go to new areas and to reach out into new places but I would just say that if you don't have that money then you can start nearby don't think about what you can't do right? And just get stuck saying, well, I can't make disciples. I can't start a movement of disciples. Start where you are, right? And as we are faithful with what we do have and with what we can do, God will give us more. Um, That's the parable of the minas, right? Which we find in the book of Luke, that uh, the master came and he gave the mina to those 10, right, servants. And and those who invested that money and the one, took the one and made it 10, he was given responsibility over 10 cities. So we see that principle in scripture that when we do what we can do, God will give us more ability and more responsibility and more resources to do more. So start with what you can't do. If all you have is your feet and all you can do is walk, right? Then start prayer walking in your neighborhood, in your area. Start prayer walking and start sharing Jesus with people around you. Start uh, looking for opportunities to bless people. Maybe you can't bless them with resources or a blanket or a well, but how can you bless them? Can you bless them with words of encouragement? Can you bless them with a prophetic word that God gives you over their life? What can you do to serve them? Maybe you can watch their kids while they um, go to work or, you know, what can you do? So look at what you can do, not what you can't do and start there. Um, again, Jesus didn't have a car. He didn't have a motorcycle. He walked everywhere he went. And as he walked, there were opportunities to disciple the people he was walking with. So, um, walking can be a really good thing for disciple making it work for Jesus and maybe it can work for you as well. Um, and then, you know, I also want to say as you start with that group nearby, maybe you're starting some disciple making groups that are within walking distance of where you live. And maybe you start two or three groups and you can cast vision to those who are becoming disciples in those groups for what God's put on your heart to do that does require, you know, transportation costs to get there. Um, and let them also buy into that vision, begin to pray as a group for those areas, begin to pray that God will work there and God will make a way for you to go there. And then maybe they can give 
to go together with you there the first time, you know, by whatever transport you use to get there. Or maybe they can even give to provide for a vehicle so that not only you, but others who want to go there and to other unreached areas will be able to go. So when you do it that way, there's ownership within the movement because the resources came from inside the movement. So I personally believe this is a much, much better strategy and more biblical, more Jesus style than for us to provide from outside or to seek outside help in getting those transportation vehicles. And that that actually can hinder the, the rapid spread of the gospel in that area, that it's much better to be a little patient, start locally, let those local believers gain the vision and ownership of that vision through prayer and through going there themselves, you know, a few times, and then see if those finance can be raised at transportation from within. So I hope this has been helpful to you in answering this question about um, how to make disciples without money. And we'll be right back for the wrap-up and takeaways in just a moment. Imagine a world where passionate followers of Jesus come together to multiply, transforming lives beyond imagination. Instead of toiling with little fruit, what if God's abundance flowed beyond your wildest dreams? Picture those you've invested in sharing Jesus freely, creating a ripple effect of disciple-making. In her new book, The Multiplier's Mindset, Cynthia Anderson reveals how shifting mindsets can revolutionize disciple-making. When Cynthia and her colleagues experienced these mindset shifts, they saw enormous results including the launching of 19 multiplying movements in Africa and Asia, transforming tens of thousands of lives. This book will help you discover hidden harvesters, see church members move from passivity to passion, and release the power of simplicity in multiplying disciples don't remain stuck. Learn to move toward greater fruitfulness. Visit MultipliersMindset.com and get your copy of the Multipliers Mindset today. All right. Well, here's your takeaways and things that you can put into action this week. Remember, I don't need more stuff. I already have enough. And you can grab a copy of my book, The Multipliers Mindset, to read more about that mindset shift to enough. We want to start to have the thinking that we don't need more stuff. We already have enough. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all of your needs. So let's base our thinking on scripture, not on the world's model or what we've seen other people do, but let's look to how Jesus worked as we look at this. And then we want to shift not just our thinking, but also our actions to think that is more organic, more soul reproducible, and Jesus style. And lastly, we talked about how sometimes transportation means like buying a car or a motorcycle is needed to go to unreached areas, but you want to cast vision to the local people that you've discipled so they own the vision, they'll go with you, they'll send you there, they'll purchase the vehicle, and that finance is coming from within the movement itself. So here's my action step. Um, think about this question and have you wondered whether or not you can make disciples with the resources that you have. And I want you just to write down what you can do. You know, take just a moment right after you finish listening to this and or sometime today and write down what you can do instead of thinking of what you can't because of your limited resources. What can you do 
that is simple, that's reproducible, and that doesn't cost anything. Maybe it's starting to pray that 550 prayer, or maybe it's starting to do prayer walks in your neighborhood. But what can you start to do? And focus on the can, not the can't. And as you're faithful with that, God is going to supply all that you need to multiply disciples in your area. God bless you guys. We'll see you in the next episode. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.